0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Hey, welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire podcast network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at camp part of the USA Today sports media group. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman of the Sacramento Bee, and we're just going to do a quick Niners kind of news and rumor roundup. There's a couple of things floating around in the internet right now that we're going to dive into and talk about. Um, Javon Kinlaw, and his fifth year option, that weird Debo Samuel trade rumor thing. We'll we'll talk about that, and and yeah, just make this make this real quick little news roundup for you. And uh, on uh, February 21st is when you'll be listening to this, so. Um, shout out to NFL News in late February, and as always, we're brought to you by Cooperage. Cooperage Brewing, you can visit the brewery in Santa Rosa. You can go online to cooperagebrewing.com. You can order a case if you're over 21 and in the state of California, they'll deliver delicious beer. You can get a case of one beer, you can build your own case if there's some that several that you like. That's my recommendation because all the beer is very good. If you're like, Oh, which one do I get? Just try a bunch. Get six different four-packs. Live your dream. It's the way to go. Cooper's Brewing. Cooper's Brewing.com. Let's dive in.
0: Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Kittle in Denver territory. Kittle is going to go. Touchdown. Closest, got him, in a second back inside
1: the 30. In yard Quick pass caught by Kittle. He dives and he's in. Touchdown 49ers. Okay, so we're at the weird state. Is this the weirdest part of the NFL calendar?
2: I think it is. I mean, it it can be like if you're if you're on say you like are on Tweetdeck and you have a column devoted to 49ers and then you just I see I do. And then you just see a bunch of like random rumors pop up that are like unsubstantiated. Then, yeah, it can be pretty weird, right? Because a lot of people, there's just a lot of false or just bad information that goes around. And I think a lot of things that that if you read too much into can just gain way too much steam Mm -hmm. in relation to the actual veracity behind the idea. And I think the Debo Samuel trade idea certainly falls into this. Like, I've been asked about it in other places. Like, are the 49ers really going to trade Debo? Like, they can, but they don't have any reason to. <laughs> right, right. They're not
1: trying to push Debo Samuel out the door, bro.
2: <laughs> right. Like, they, they're not going to incur... Like, the only time in NFL recent NFL history where teams have taken on massive dead cap numbers is because situations are just completely untenable and there's right. been zero indication that the the Debo Samuel situation is untenable and if the 49ers were to trade him i have his like if they traded him before June 1st they have <laughs> 35 million in dead or sorry 28 million in dead cap and minus 19 million in cap savings which means there's no, there's, there's literally no point to trading Debo Samuel from a financial perspective, unless it's just completely untenable behind the scenes, and we don't have any indication that that's the case, right? So right. even down the line,
1: honestly, like, the opposite. Debo Samuel is out there at the Super Bowl talking about how much he loves Kyle Shanahan.
2: Right, right. It, like everything seems fine now. Could this turn into a DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead situation in terms of Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk? Like, yeah, but we're probably, I mean, we're at least a year away from that. We're at least a year away from that being being on the table. Like, it's not on the table. It's just not. Unless things go really bad and Debo Samuel retres, requests a trade again and some bad stuff happens behind the scene, there's no way the 49ers are trading Debo Samuel this offseason for a draft pick. It's just not going to happen. $28 million dead cap to for no reason like he's still a very productive player he's still a core member of their team um it's just not it's not going to happen but again like it could happen down the road like if Debo Samuel put it this way i would be like semi surprised if Debo Samuel played out the full 3 years on on this contract like i'm i'm looking at in 2025 the 49ers have an out after 2024 going into 2025 mm-hmm. from the from the contract that before the last year of the extension basically and like right. going into 2025 do the 49ers want to pay Debo Samuel 24 million dollars basically is the question or would they rather just save 10 million dollars in cap space
1: yeah and all that will depend i think on his availability how he plays, what the team looks like, just kind of financially. But going into 2023, there was that report from some radio guy in New England that said the Patriots were sniffing around on a Debo Samuel trade. Like, yeah, I'm sure they are. Debo Samuel would be their best player by a lot. But the Niners aren't, there's, I don't know if there's, like, we always talk about, like, so-and-so is available for two first-round picks. I was like, yeah, pr- pr- that's most players in the NFL are available for that. Right. But given the fact that the Niners would have to eat $28 million if they trade him before June 1, not to mention, forget all the fact that, like, the Niners don't want to let him go. I don't know if there's a price that the Patriots could put on it that would make it worth it for the Niners.
2: Right. Like, to... Yeah, to just have that much money going to nobody who's helping you is, yeah, There's, there, just isn't a, there isn't a lot of sense behind it. No. And so this is one it's of those things out. where it's like somebody can say this on Twitter and it's completely unsubstantiated and nobody credible is like, quote unquote, reporting it or talking about it. And then it, you know, mo- spreads around like wildfire. And it's like, wait, why are we talking about this? Yeah, <laughs> it ha- yeah, it feels like it happens a lot. I'm sure. It probably happens with other fan bases, but I feel like it's it's very prevalent with 49ers Twitter.
1: Yeah, and the reason we're bringing it up on the pod is is A, because I saw a bunch of people talking about it on the internet. But no, this is one of those things where if you weren't following the right people at first, you weren't even going to see it. And I had somebody hit me up on Instagram and was like, hey, what is this? <laughs> like, I don't know, man. Yeah. I got nothing for you. So I just, I wanted to get that on the pod. Like, they're not trading Devo. That's insane. At least not right now. Not right. We'll see, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like over the next couple of years. But yeah. again, even that, I don't think the Niners are sitting there circling uh, the outside after 2024, right? So yeah. I don't think they're. I don't think they're circling that 2025 offseason off season and going, can't wait to get rid of Debo. Can't wait to trade him. But if he's just kind of, you know, doing what he did this year where it's like good, good, good year, but not great. And some team wants to give him a second round pick for him. Then that's That's when they'll probably explore that. But I don't think it's going to happen this year or next year.
2: Ultimately, they got to decide, like, do they want to pay $42 million to their starting receivers combined? Starting in 2024. Right. And at that point, is Brandon Ayuk going to be more of an ascending player while Debo Samuel is maybe descending, given his physicality and injury history? Like, Mm -hmm. that's a real discussion. But again, we're a year away from that. And what happens in 2023 is going to go a long way towards determining that. So, like, we don't know yet. We just don't know what that's going to look like. It is a possibility down the line, but it doesn't make any financial sense for them to do that right now. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's, you know, things aren't coming to a head just yet. Like, there isn't really a comparison between this and DeForest Buckner right now. Like, there will be when. Brandon Iuke if he's I, I mean the difference really the difference is well <laughs> I don't know I'm, I'm twisting my brain into knots trying to think about the cap space and like who, who else could be up but like it's just it, it's tough to it's tough to really spin it forward because we don't really know what it's going to look like and maybe the cap yep. goes up to the point where they're like yeah 42 million dollars for our starting receivers is fine I just wonder like you know, George Kittle's going to be at the back end of his deal by then. Like, are they going to want to mm-hmm. keep, are they going to want to keep paying him? Christian McCaffrey's on the books through 2025. Like how does he factor into that? Does Christian McCaffrey make Debo Samuel more expendable because you have a guy who can do some of the same things, right? So these are all questions that the 49ers have to ask themselves, but the answers aren't going to present themselves until a year from now, at least.
1: Well yeah and and on top of everything you just laid out it depends on what their roster looks like too right if Danny Gray has not developed and they still think that Juan Jennings is you know at his best kind of doing what he does where he's not going to take on a bigger role as the wide receiver two next to Ayuk and they just don't have another player on the roster that they think can fill that out that's and these are again these are all things that are not going to come up until a year or two down the line. I just wanted to get it out there and make it really clear that like the Debo Samuel trade rumor stuff for this off is a unsubstantiated, but B just like, doesn't make any sense. Right. Like of all the players to pick to make that up on, like it just doesn't, I don't know. Just doesn't yeah. track. Yeah. I don't know. Um, so something else that came out that I want to chat with you about uh, Matt Barrows in the athletics said that uh, I don't want to say he reported it, he said that the Niners are unlikely to pick up Javon Kinlaw's fifth-year option, and that is more just common sense. The fifth-year option is a fully guaranteed $11,665,000, so about $12 million fully guaranteed for Javon Kinlaw 2024. Uh, I don't think the Niners are going to want to do that. They have to make that decision by May 1. So that's that's less like of a discussion to me. Like a, they're not going to pick it up, and B, it's just Kinlaw has to play well, and maybe then they'll revisit it after the year if he can play sixteen or seventeen games and looks good doing it. The one, the one I, the question I have is kind of what we were just talking about. That's with Brandon Ayuk, whose fifth year option is also coming up. The deadline for it is May first, and I would assume they're going to pick up Ayuk's fifth year. It's fourteen million dollars. and I like Ayuk. I think he's a really good player but that's where what we were just talking about a wide receiver and value in this offense is is Ayuk the kind of player that you're going to pay 20 plus million a year to if he's going to give you a thousand yards and seven touchdowns.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a a good question. He's eligible for a contract extension starting this offseason. What the 49ers have typically done, and they're doing it with Nick Bosa regarding their first-round picks, is they're not going to re-sign somebody or they're not going to extend somebody before they go into the last year of their contract. So we'd be looking at an extension this time next year for Brandon Ayuk ahead of his fifth-year option season. Um. And again, like after having, you know, 80 touches and over a thousand yards and eight touchdowns this year, if he were to improve on that next year, I think you're looking at a $15 million a year player, 15, 18 million. You know, if he, if he blows up and has 1400 yards and 12 touchdowns, then he's going to be in that mix for 20, 22 million a year, at which point you're like, well, okay, now is Debo Samuel expendable? Um, so yeah, I, I mean that, that depends on what kind of season Brandon Ayuk has. And a lot of that has to do with, you know, quarterback stability and, and, and all of that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Ayuk having, I mean, eight touchdowns feels like, like, did it feel like looking back on the season that Brandon Ayuk had eight touchdowns? Like it almost feels like an afterthought. Like Brandon Ayuk was was as good as he was this year, and I, I maintain that like if Brandon Ayuk was on a team where he had to be the guy getting the most targets, that he would be like a twelve to fourteen hundred yard type guy.
1: I, I'm dude, I'm totally with you. I don't think he would. If you swapped him and Justin Jefferson, I don't think he would be putting up Justin Jefferson numbers necessarily, but I think he wouldn't be that far off. Right. He's really freaking good, right? And and that's,
2: yeah, that's he's what, he's probably the more like if you were to make a list of the 49ers most underrated players, I think Brain and I would probably be way up there.
1: Yeah, at least national. I think I think Niners fans have a good grasp on it, but I think like nationally, for sure. Yeah, nearly like when people always talk about George Kittle and Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel, I feel like Ayuk is always kind of the afterthought there.
2: Like, okay, but, let's put it this way. Is he the best fourth option in the NFL?
1: Yeah, I would. I would. At least I think so. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I think he is without without doing like a deep dive. I think Brandon Ayuk is probably the the top fourth option in the league.
1: There's somebody listening to this right now. That's like Dawson Knox. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I think the other thing with Ayuk is he had two, no, two. Yeah, two, two touchdown games. In there. One of them was that loss in Atlanta. So it's kind of inconsequential. The other two touchdown game was the blowout of Arizona in Mexico.
2: Are you saying he doesn't have the clutch, Gene?
1: No. Yeah. Brandon Ayuk only performs when they're up or down big. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. No. <laughs> uh well, his two touchdowns tied that game against Atlanta and then it fell apart. But yeah, I just I I kind of think that um, you know, he had nine for 101 and a touchdown against Vegas, uh, six for eighty-one and a touchdown against LA, like. There were some really good games in there. They were just kind of in weird spots. But that's that's where I have a little bit of a of a question. It's not it's not about IUK, the player and how good he is. I think he's very good. But I just think if if the Niners wind up deciding that that I don't know. If Brock Purdy's the guy. They're like, yep, that's who we're moving forward with. And there's some kind of regression. And, and the offense winds up mostly looking like it does with Jimmy Garoppolo. Is it prudent to go pay Brandon Ayuk a bunch of money? Or do you try and invest elsewhere? Um, Now, if. I don't I don't know, man. I think it depends on here. here's my I think here's what I'm trying to say. I feel like Brandon Ayuk's value is going to be contingent on the quarterback play the Niners are getting.
2: Yeah, I I think it... I think it has more to do with what you get from Debo Samuel. Because, like... Mm -hmm. I just... I have a hard time seeing them paying both... Both Debo Samuel... Like, I have a hard time... Like in twenty twenty six, both those guys counting for like forty million plus in salary cap dollars.
1: Right, it's pretty rare that teams are playing paying multiple receivers like top of market money.
2: Especially because it if, seems if like anyone. receiver receiver is so often like the deepest position like in every draft. Mm-hmm. And we we right. these days we constantly talk about receiver being like the deepest position in the NFL. So. I'm pretty confident that they're going to try to pay Brandon Ayuk. And I guess that speaks to me being less confident about them paying Debo long term. And like, it's, a, I, I can totally understand, like, there's probably people listening right now that's like, man, that's crazy. Debo's really good. And he is really good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, Ezekiel Elliott was really good for a long time. And then yeah. he got paid and it was like a really burdensome contract. Right. Right. So, like, at some point, and with Debo, there's there's a, a true pattern, even going back to college, of, like, really good season, season marred by injury. Really good season, season mm-hmm. marred by injury. And that happened. You know, that happened again right. this year. He had the All-Pro season in in 2021, and then this year he was still really good, but it wasn't quite the same, and some of that had to do with availability. Yeah. Um, and just the physical brand that he, that he plays with. So unless he, like, really evolves his game and if I'm Debo I'm I'm probably taking a hard look at just evolving my game in the offseason in terms of like all right can I be a better about route runner can I be more to this offense than just a guy that you just try to give the ball in space to and just run through everybody's everyone's face right like that's just mm-hmm. just not sustainable like you're not gonna you're not gonna play for 12 years in the league doing that you need to add some nuance some finesse for lack of a better term, you need to add some finesse to your game. Right. And when it comes to the decision between paying Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, potentially, like, I think that's what you're talking about because Ayuk, like, to me, Ayuk is somebody who I could see playing in the league for 10, 12 years. Right. You know, just like his style of play, like he's physical for sure, but he's not, he's not the type of receiver that you're like, man, I'm not sure if he's going to hold up for, for the bulk of his career. Like he's also, I Ayuk, played in every game in the last two years.
1: And he's also wide open all the time. <laughs> yeah. Like he just doesn't. And and I, I don't mean that like in a, and he's good. He just doesn't, I can't remember the last time I was like, Oh shit. I, just took a shot. And he just yeah. never seems to get hit super hard.
2: There, there was one, there are a couple of plays over the middle, but like, I think, gosh, and when was it? But like when, when he does take some of those hits, I feel like he just gets right back up. Yeah. Like, there was one. I want to say it was a Cowboys game where it was like a slant and he like took a shot, but just like got right up and like got the first down and did a little like celebrating and and stuff like that. But like, I'm more optimistic. Like, Debo's ceiling in terms of like what he can be for the 49ers in any given game is probably higher. Right. But in terms of like, you're trying to project like which guy's going to be in the league playing at a high level for the next six to eight years. I think. Ayuk is the better bet based solely on his play style.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm, I think I'm with you. I also kind of wonder just when talking about Debo's value while we're here. I also wonder how much the rushing stuff is going to continue because it was demonstrably less effective this year. He still went five and a half yards per carry on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> But last year he had the eight rushing touchdowns on 59 carries. He had 21 first downs. This year on 42 carries, he picked up eight first downs and had three touchdowns. Like it just was not as not as uh consistently effective as it was. And I kind of wonder if like we're on the downside of that of that bell curve.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think ideally you just wouldn't have to have Debo Samuel running the ball like you remember. So in 2021, he became a running back in large part because of just all the injuries and attrition. The 49ers had a running back
1: right this year. They had offense
2: going. Yeah, this year they had some of that, but they also had Christian McCaffrey (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they didn't need Debo to do as much of that. And there was like you could even see it, man, like just watching the games whenever Debo lined up in the backfield linebackers are all yelling like everybody's like all right we got to focus on Debo because he's in the backfield and there's at least an 80 percent chance that he's getting the ball in some capacity here right and I think that's what that might have been part of the issue and like Kyle Shanahan I'm sure would argue against this but it almost feels like having Debo in the backfield you're kind of projecting what you're going to do like Mm -hmm. I feel like there's if you were to go through and again I haven't charted this, but if you're going to go through and chart all the plays where Debo was in the backfield and find the ratio of Debo lining up in the backfield towards with Debo touching the ball, it would be a pretty uh, like almost a one-to-one ratio. I feel like, yeah, like a pretty high correlation.
1: It was a little different this year, but yeah, I feel like it was different after McCaffrey showed
2: up. Right. And what? Yeah. Yeah. So like, Ideally, you'd have running backs and you wouldn't have to use Debo that way. I I just think, like, the best version of Debo down the line is sort of what you got from Debo early on in 2021. Like, Debo, one thing about 2021, we talk about Debo Samuel being really, really good as a running back and, like, adding that dimension. He led the league averaging 18.2 yards per catch per reception. Right. So like mm-hmm. and some of that speaks to, of course, you know, all the bubble screens. There were a lot of successful bubble screens, but he was also like the Lions game in the season opener. Like he was a deep ball threat. And the Bears game, I think that was later that year. Yeah, he had a, he had a big a big downfield catch in the Bears game that that uh, ended the 49ers losing streak early in mm-hmm. 2021. Right. So. Yep. Like, I think that version, the Debo that's like both stretching the field and also being a threat, like as a bubble screen and like gadget play guy is more effective than the Debo who's like lining up in the backfield half the time. Right. Yeah. I haven't uh, talked about Javon Kinlaw at all.
1: (laughs) There's just not, I don't know what to say. I know. He's just not, he hasn't been good. He hasn't. Well, okay. He hasn't been available.
2: He's played in 10 games the last two years.
1: And when he has been available, he hasn't been very good. I mean, that's that. so they're not going to pick up his fifth-year option, which makes sense. Like, that just tracks. And if he comes out this year and plays in 17 games and he's really freaking good in 12 of them, then, okay, maybe they try and extend him for a couple years. But right now, he's like a rotational defensive lineman. If that, when he plays.
2: I'm trying to do the math. 13... 23 so the niners have played in 40 games total the last two seasons including the playoffs right mm-hmm. and he's missed 23 of them i think yeah something like that 2 13 10 yeah 23 he's mi- including the playoffs he's missed 23 of 40 games and when he played in the playoffs this year, he wasn't particularly effective. He hasn't had a sack since the Saints game in November of 2020 at New Orleans. Oh, my God.
1: That was the game that Contavious Street broke all of uh, Kirby's rips.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Kent Street. And That's how long be- ago that was. And then became a New Orleans Saint the next offseason. He sure did. And Drew Brees like, retired. We love the way you hurt Drew Brees. <laughs> Please accept our money. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was awesome. Please do it again. <laughs> no, um, I just it feels like a swing and a miss.
2: Yeah. I think and... there are there are a few lessons to learn from the Kinlaw thing. Yes. So several. I think and Nick Nick made this point really as soon as they drafted Kinlaw
1: ESPN's Nick Wagner
2: was like, he said it's, it's a dangerous game when you just like lose a guy and the guy that they lost obviously was DeForest Buckner, but just drafting a guy just to replace that guy. Right? Like ideally you probably take the best player available and had they not traded back. So ultimately the trading back gave them the ammo to, trade up later in the first round and get Brandon and so like that was that was a positive development from this mm-hmm. but like they pass on tristan Worfs. right like how much would tristan worse whether that if he would have played guard or tackle or you know whatever I'm, like, like Tris, tristan Worfs all pro offensive lineman is somebody that the Fort ers decided not to draft because they wanted kinlaw um, and then you can do that with any pick so i, I don't you know, I don't want to do that too much, but like it was pretty clear. We talked about it before that draft. We're like, man, Tristan Wirfs is like a 49ers type guy. Like they they would love this dude. Like, workout warrior, went to Iowa, football means a lot to him, et cetera, et cetera. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers proved to be right by taking him, and he was an all-pro as a rookie. Um, but the point here is like, you know, there were questions about Kinlaw's, you know, I, I think he... I'm trying to say this delicately i mean he's proven to have a volatile personality right mm. like and that was that was a question going into the draft like i don't think anybody given all of the kinlaw like internet stuff that he inserted himself into which we talked about at length. i don't think anybody with the 49ers is particularly surprised by that after mm. all the research they did on him going into the draft like there were there were legitimate questions like yeah he's physically gifted as all get out he's talented as hell but you know can can he mature enough to be a productive pro for us like that was a question that they had and that was a bet that they made and ultimately the same bet that they made with reuben foster albeit completely different circumstances right you know kinlaw is not comparable to foster in terms of what you know foster getting arrested and and that type of stuff i'm not saying that but i'm saying there's a there are certain personality traits that the 49ers bet on in both cases that didn't necessarily pan out. Right. And then there's the injury thing. His knee was a, was a substantial issue before the draft. And he was taken off a lot of teams boards because of the knee issue. And, you know, the 49ers said after last offseason when he had his surgery, that, Yeah, this is his knee issues are going to be gone. Like this is this is going to fix it. He's going to miss the season. That's really unfortunate. But at least now going forward, we know he's going to have a healthy knee. And guess what? He doesn't, or at least he didn't. At some point, they've got
1: to stop doing that. Like it's it's someday. This is now two different front offices (laughs) that have been like, we can fix him. You can't. Yeah, I promise you can't. Frank Gore was the one. Frank Gore was the exception. Yeah, and he's a mutant. I, I, I just at some point you got to you got to do away with it. We can fix this knee. Can't.
2: Yeah. So okay. like I don't is is Javon Kinlaw locked to make the team. A lock? No, or is he a lock to be on the team? Like could they trade him like, okay. If the Niners traded Javon Kinlaw this offseason, what oh, do you think? Inter- they? Fifth. Yeah, do you think it's a fifth?
1: <laughs> yeah, Probably. I don't, it may be. Okay, like, like I said, like a future fifth.
2: Yeah. Maybe. Uh, maybe. I think, <laughs> I think it might. I, if they traded him right now, I'm being ambitious. I think right now if they traded him based on how the NFC championship game went.
1: You go one of those weird like seventh round future pick swaps. Oof, man. <laughs> Here's Javon Kinlaw on his seventh. You give us your sixth and call that good
2: yeah i don't know like i i think i think javon kinlaw has been one of the most disappointing developments for the niners front office over the last couple years it's been mostly positive because Mm -hmm. a lot of their decisions have been pretty good and look i i don't hate the deforest buckner the process in that being like well do we want to you know do we want to have deforest buckner or do we want to have eric armstead and jimmy ward which is kind of the the way they the way it's been framed to me was out that, that was a decision it was buckner it was buckner by himself or armstead and ward and they elected to have two guys
1: the the irony is part of the reason they kept armstead was like that inside outside versatility and now he only plays inside
2: right but what what's kind of wild is the 49ers still had the best defense in the league with armstead and ward without buckner and without kinlaw
1: <laughs> and without ward playing his natural position
2: <laughs> right right so the process in that sense was justified He'd be like well they still had the best the, the best defense in the league and arguably the best defense or maybe not you know the eagles had the best defensive line in the league but the niners had one of the best defensive lines in the league without mm-hmm. kinlaw or buckner really contributing so Crazy. that is a little wild I, so the process so- i don't flaw the process but the trade the, the process for the trade trading away buckner Certainly justifiable. I don't find that like particularly appalling. But if they did know that they were going to have a quarterback on a rookie contract moving forward beyond that, they probably keep Buckner. Yeah, but, and but they were paying Jimmy.
1: I think at this point, when you see what Chris Kukerks done with their defensive line, and you've seen the Kerry Hiders in twenty twenty, and the Arden Keys in twenty twenty one. And uh, Hassan Ridgway was good before he got hurt this year. Charles O'Menahu, Charles O'Menahu, that's a great one. Jordan Willis, um, all these random guys, Kevin Givens, undrafted guys, developed really nicely. Like all these guys that you're getting productivity from just on a rotational basis. The 49ers, as long as this group is around, should never pick a defensive tackle in the first round ever again. Like, take that, take that, unless you are guaranteeing it's going to be Aaron freaking Donald which you can't do like just take two of them in the third and fourth round and let them be rotational guys.
2: Yeah, I would, I still think defensive line, super valuable. Like I don't have any problem drafting dudes like drafting defensive linemen early. Like I'm not going to go as far as to say, because you have like, I don't think defensive lines, a new running back. Right.
1: But, or like uh, or chris guserek
2: is the new bobby turner although you yeah, if it's, it's certainly a, a compelling tackle
1: why,
2: why not yeah it's a compelling case but like i would just say if you are drafting that position don't draft a dude who's got a degenerative knee pro tip just yeah to like 330 pound dudes super physical avoid knee issues He's crazy like physically gifted, Javon Gavinloff. Walking off the bus, he's dude, he's he's like behind Trent Williams, you know? Yeah.
1: (laughs) Well, and that's why that's why when so so to scroll back here for a minute and you talk about him getting traded. That's why I don't think he's going to be traded. Like the Niners the Niners made this bet on him because they believe there's something there. And he hasn't played enough to to say like yes he is good or no he is not good. He hasn't been awesome when he's played, but there were those flashes. Like his rookie year was like holy crap! Like the pick six against the against the Rams. a player yeah. his size making that play? Like that's different. Like that's just a little bit different. So I think I don't think they pick up that fifty year option. Like that's that's crazy to guarantee him twelve million or whatever next year, but. Let him play out this year. If he winds up not playing or being a rotational guy and you move on, so be it. But I think you got to see just in case, like just in case. Because if you trade him to Philly for a seventh and he becomes awesome, like then it's bad. But yeah, I I don't know why I said Philly. You had just said Philly. If you trade him to Jacksonville for a seventh, (laughs) it's just not, I would rather see if you can figure it out than get a late future pick. Like, I don't.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think anything with him right now would be found money at this point. And again, like he probably doesn't I, he doesn't have any trade value, I don't think, unless you find a team that's like we really loved him and we think we can rehabilitate him.
1: Trent Bulky, dude.
2: Are you calling your shot? <laughs> he did, Trent Bulky loves a good knee injury.
1: He dude. Do, he does more than anything. He's like, Do Even- you think we can you think we can sit this guy for a year? <laughs>
2: even in uh even in last year's draft they took a bunch of guys with me and Drew's jacksonville
0: god I that
2: was really funny first out for trevor lawrence man playoff team on the rise the fighting trent balkies of jacksonville for now Did the Honestly... Niners play them next year
1: yes I was trying to think if they play the entire AFC South, but I don't think they do.
2: No, they don't, because they just played them last year, but I think Jacksonville's oh, yeah, the random AFC game. Twenty twenty-three is... opponents. I believe it's in Jacksonville.
1: Yes, at Jacksonville.
2: Slash Eagles,
1: London. Commanders, Browns, Steelers, Vikings, Jags. So they're road games. Could be a London game. I'm gonna go international two years in a row, it'd be brutal. Although, if it's in London, your boy might go.
2: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Love that for you. It would be,
1: yeah. I'd be okay with that. Tough, uh, tough non NFC West road trips. But, or, uh, uh, yeah, road trips this year, by the way.
2: Tough in terms of what? Philly,
1: good city. Crowd is apparently crazy. So, okay, cool. Washington, D.C. in general, fantastic. Worst stadium in the NFL. Then Cleveland, which, eh. Pittsburgh, fine. I've heard great things about
2: uh, about a Creasier Stadium.
1: Uh, you said what now?
2: <laughs> Apparently, Heinz Field is now called a, a Creasier Stadium. ACRI. Oh, Acresure. Acresure. Or Acresure.
1: Yeah. Sure. Yeah, but still, it's Pittsburgh. Like, okay, fine. Like, I don't. I've. I'm neutral on my feelings about Pittsburgh, but then Minneapolis. Okay, depending on the time of year, Minneapolis, nice, and then
2: Jacksonville. Yeah, I think the Niners are going to play in Europe next year. That's just my call. They haven't gone okay. there since 2013.
1: They just went to Mexico.
2: Right. Mexico is not Europe. Breaking. Get out. What. All right.
1: Me and if, me if everybody had this bit for a long time that Monty Ginobili was from Europe. And that's why they called it the Euro step.
2: <laughs> and he's Argentinian. It's a joke. Here we go. Yeah. That's Anyways, good. I like that. All right. Let's get out of here. At Jacksonville, Minnesota, I'm trying to think where Philly. Oh, they could do like the back to back on the road with Philly, Cleveland, Pittsburgh, DC.
1: Just go four road games in a row?
2: No, no, no. I'm just looking at <laughs> like the games where they might be, you know, staying in the Greenbrier or Youngstown or
1: I think they open the season Sunday night at Philly. Oh, interesting. Just get that NFC championship game rematch, get it in prime time, and then the Niners can play in Washington or whatever and do their Greenbrier stay and knock out two of their East Coast trips.
2: Nate Sudfeld starting at quarterback. Pass, <laughs> I pass. <laughs> all right, let's get out of here. Yes, please. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review. We will talk to you guys later in the week. Yeah, do all that stuff.
1: Drink Coobridge,
0: of course.